I would like to apologize right off the bat for the sort of straightforward, right to the point uh, format this episode is going to be going with. I recorded about an hour and a half worth of audio just to realize my microphone recorded none of that audio and all I got was a series of staticky ticks. So I'll be rereading the same three articles I just read a little while ago. But first article will come from Understanding Deep Politics. CDC director, unvaccinated police and government workers to be sent for education and counseling. From The other one will be from Fox News. Rittenhouse judge warns prospective jury of deliberately biased media coverage. And the last article comes from foreignpolicy.com. Unvaccinated police officers could become America's own insurgents. Without any further ado, let's get into it. So, when this episode will go live, it would have been yesterday. But day one of the Kyle Rittenhouse homicide trials has concluded. And this has got me thinking... You know, it's going to be about two weeks before the trial's done and we have a verdict. About two weeks. Day one was an absolute shit show, at least in my opinion, for the prosecutor. They weren't able to prove any of their points and properly, I don't know, demonize Cal Rittenhouse. And there was an interesting revelation that the FBI had drones flying all over Kenosha recording and documenting everything. We also found out, well, we found out that Rosenbaum, the ginger guy from Kenosha, well, we found out that he was in fact armed. He was whipping people with chains. And all three of the people Kyle Rittenhouse shot were violent sex offenders, one of them forcefully sodomized a child. So, I fail to see, to charge somebody with homicide, they have to kill a human being, right? I fail to see how any of the three people shot that night were human beings, quite frankly. But, the judge stated earlier on, based off of the footage he has and everything he's seen, it is safe to call, you can use the term rioters and mobs to describe uh, the people that Kyle Rittenhouse was protecting himself against. And when that happened, you had people like Antifa and BLM coming out saying, oh, we're going to riot if we don't get the, the right verdict. And there's going to be a lot of similarities to media coverage and uh, activist response to the Rittenhouse trial, as we saw with the Derek Chauvin trial. The difference is, I don't think this judge cares about the mob. I I don't think he's concerned about what the the woke witch hunters have to say. And I think this first article perfectly explains what I mean. So, we'll start at Fox News instead. So, from Fox News, Rittenhouse Judge warns prospective jury of deliberately biased media coverage. Rittenhouse is accused of fatally shooting two men and wounding a third on August 25th, 2020, in a Kenosha, Wisconsin incident. Article by Steffi Pagones of Fox News. The Wisconsin judge presiding over the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, lamented to prospective jurors during the jury selection phase about, quote, irresponsible news reporting, including some that are, quote, deliberately biased. Opening statements began Tuesday morning at the Kenosha County Courthouse in Kenosha. It's a very repetitive sentence, isn't it? 
the Kenosha County Courthouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Anyway, moving on. In the case involving the 18-year-old who faces life in prison if convicted, Rittenhouse is accused of fatally shooting two men and wounding a third when he was 17. During a night of destruction and protest in the Wisconsin city. The events of August 25, 2020 prompted a media frenzy for weeks and months and bled even into the political campaign of the 2020 presidential election. Circuit Judge Bruce Schroeder repeatedly warned <clears throat> potential jurors that the ultimate decision must not be influenced by politics, nor should be swayed by what's being reported by the media about the case so far. After explaining that the First Amendment protects the rights of the free press, Schroeder said, quote, The price paid for having free press is a lot of irresponsible and sloppy journalism, end quote. Schroeder noted that these media reports were written by journalists who were not afforded access to the evidence that the jurors would have. He added that his speech was not, quote, an attack on the media. Quote, I've read things about the case that were perfect, perfect, perfectly stated. What had happened in this court. And there were things I think, quote, was the, I was in the courtroom and what happened. He continued, quote, I'm not bashing anybody, but I'm going to talk about what you need to do. What you need to be thinking about if you are picked to hear this case. And how much reliance you can put on things that may just be sloppy, which is the vast amount of it, end quotes. The jurist went on, quote, some of it is deliberately biased that's out there and sometimes from respectable media outlets. <laughs> See, this is going to be the key difference in the whole Kyle Rittenhouse trial versus the Derek Chauvin trial. I, I do have some concerns I'll be touching on later on as we continue. During the roughly 12-hour jury selection, uh, Schroeder also stressed to the pool that the proceedings were not a political trial. Rittenhouse was charged with two counts of homicide, one count attempted homicide, reckless endangering and illegal possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. Lawyers have argued repeatedly that he was acting in self-defense. His trial is expected to last at least two weeks. A panel of jurors made up of 11 women and 9 men. And with that article concluded, we now move on to the next article from ABC7 Witness News. Kyle Rittenhouse trial, Wisconsin judge gets sets ground rules on evidence and use of force experts. This article does not appear to be credited to anyone for writing it, weirdly enough. <clears throat> but anyway, moving on. Kenosha, Wisconsin, a Wisconsin judge laid out the final ground rules Monday on what evidence will be allowed when Kyle Rittenhouse goes on trial next week for the shooting of three people during the protest against police brutality, ruling he'll permit testimony from the defense use of force experts and on how police welcomed Rittenhouse and others carrying guns during the demonstration. Yes, this is an older article, but I want to give you the full context into what I mean when I say the rules this judge laid out had Democrat puppets, a.k.a. Antifa and BLM, very worked up and angry. So the first article we read came out just today. This article came out last week. I just want to give you a... a I just want to catch you up. So, Rittenhouse sat quietly in the courtroom as his defense team and prosecutors argued the last-minute motions, what both sets of lawyers can and can't say in the course of the trial, was subject of intense debate. The 18-year-old, charged with killing two men and seriously injuring another during a during sometimes violent protests in Kenosha after the Jacob Blake police shooting in August 2020. I will say this right now. 
Jacob Blake is a violent criminal who is not worthy of sympathy or understanding to his case. He's not. He's a violent rapist with a history of assault and battery on pregnant women. Much like how George Floyd has a history of holding guns to pregnant women's bellies and sexually assaulting them. While saying, if you fight back, I will shoot you in the stomach. True story. Look into it. I've covered it on the show before, but, you know. Again, there's going to be so many crossovers between the Chauvin and the Rittenhouse case. I, I have other articles to further examine that point and a scarier conclusion at the end. The then 17-year-old patrolled the streets with an AR-15 type of weapon. Type of weapon. Quote, If more than one of them were engaged in arson, rioting, looting, I'm not going to tell the defense you can't call them that, the judge said. The judge also ruled that the two deceased men and the injured man could not be referred to as victims. See, you can call them rioters. You can call them activists, but you cannot call them victims. I like this judge. Quote, the word victim is loaded. A loaded word, he said. Alleged victim is a cousin to it. End quote. Rittenhouse's attorneys once used to force expert John Black to testify that Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. Prosecutors have asked Judge Bruce Schroeder to block Black's testimony, arguing that the June, that the jurors don't need an expert to understand what happened that night. Because you can surely take the prosecutor's word for it. Schroeder told the attorneys that Black wouldn't be allowed to testify about what happened, about what Rittenhouse was thinking when he pulled the trigger or whether he definitively acted in self-defense. Quote, I almost certainly am not going to permit an opinion from anybody <clears throat> on the ultimate facts of the case, he said. Assistant, Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger said if Schroeder allowed Black to testify only about the timeline of events that night, he wouldn't call on his own expert to the stand. Defense attorney Mark Richards agreed to the deal. Binger asked Schroeder to borrow a video that shows police telling Rittenhouse and other armed militia members on the streets that they appreciate their presence and tossing Rittenhouse a bottle of water. Now, why would you not want that footage? Is it the same reason why... The deep state doesn't want footage of the cops letting those people into the Capitol building on January 6th to play in any of these court cases. Because it sort of looks like we welcome them in with open arms and makes, uh, you know, charge them as psychopaths a lot harder to do. I just can't fathom why the prosecutor wouldn't want a footage of a cop telling this young man he did a good job and give him a bottle of water and pat him the back. It's almost like it's bad for your case. The prosecutor said the video would transform the trial into a referendum on police procedure that night when it isn't relevant. Uh-huh. Quote, this is a case about what the defendant did that night, Finger said. Quote, I'm concerned that this will turn into a trial about what law enforcement did or didn't do that night. Defense attorney Corey uh, Karofsky argued the video shows that the police felt Rittenhouse wasn't acting re recklessly. Binger countered that the shootings happened after Rittenhouse interacted with the police, but Schroeder decided to allow the video. I like this judge. Quote, If the jury is being told, if the defendant is walking down the sidewalk and doing what he claims was he was hired to do, and police say good, say good, say good thing you're here, is that something influencing the defendant and emboldening him in his behavior? That would be an argument for relevance, the judge said. Jury selection, be and jury selection's already happened. So that is the end of this article. And again, it is fascinating to me that there is not anyone I can credit for the writing this article. But <clears throat> we are coming up here on the last two articles of today's upload. But I do want to read this one article before I get into the next ones. 
Yahoo News. No one knows what to expect. Kenosha wary as Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial looms. John Kielman of the Chicago Tribune. Published October 27th, 2021. Kenosha. Let me zoom in on this so I can read it a little bit easier. The font's always so tiny on these sites. It is a real pain in the butt. Okay. If you want to know how the city feels about the in- about the impending Kyle Rittenhouse trial, a conversation with Scott and D. Seep is a good place to start. One mile northwest of their house is a still vacant commercial strip that burned during the protests over the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Yeah, so a little bit of context into the Jacob Blake thing. Jacob Blake showed up to a house where a woman with a restraining order on him lived, and he was threatening to break into the house and do all sorts of horrible, unspeakable acts to her against her will. She called the cops. You can find the full, unedited, police 911 dispatch phone call on Daily Motion's YouTube channel, or on their website, actually. I believe they're the ones who... They're also the same people that lead the entire body cam footage for the George Floyd incident. Now... This lady had a restraining order on Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake showed up. The cops got him out of the house. And then he went to his car and pulled out a knife and he got shot. And everyone was saying, oh, he doesn't have a knife. And then he testified in the courtroom that day that, yes, I had a knife and I was probably going to stab the cops with it. So I, I don't just take my word for these things. I want you guys to look it up on your own and watch the footage, watch the videos, read articles, do your own research, and come to your own conclusion. I am not the, the pinnacle of, of uh, news coverage here. I just want to get my perspective out there on relevant topics. You guys need to do your own research. <clears throat> Back into the article. One mile northeast is a street where Rittenhouse, a teenager from Entach, who said he came to Kenosha to provide security during the unrest, shot two men to death and wounded a third. With Rittenhouse murder trials set to begin November 1st, the international spotlight promises to focus once more on the mid-sized post-industrial city on the shore of Lake Michigan. Numerous opinions and concerns about the case could be heard around town last week, many of which were reflected by the Seeps. Scott Seep, 76 years old, is a Democrat. Oh man, an old neocon. Let's see how this goes. He thinks Rittenhouse was in the wrong... Of course he does. I think Cal Rittenhouse is an American hero. I think he's going to go down a folklore legend personally. Perfect trigger discipline. He killed two child molesters and blew the biceps off of a third. His trigger discipline was great. He was cleaning up graffiti the other day. He was cleaning up graffiti days before this incident happened. He was around providing first aid to people. He also was a lifeguard in that city. Uh, the, the They try to say that he, he trafficked, he carried a firearm across state lines, which isn't true. Uh, a buddy of his actually bought the gun and gave it to him, which is completely legal in that state. And it stayed within the state that it was bought in. Yeah. And these guys were chasing him. He just got swung on by a fucking skateboard. Uh, th- there's a lot to this. I highly recommend just watching the trial that goes on. If you don't want to watch that, Steven Crowder said he's going to be covering it uh, this week and next week. And today's episode was like three and a half hours long. So it's quite the uh, sit-through. Scott Seep, 76-year-old, is a Democrat. He thinks Rittenhouse was in the wrong and needs to be held accountable for his actions. His wife, D. Seep, 63, is a Republican. She thinks Rittenhouse was defending himself and a local business and deserves to be acquitted. Dude, your wife has a bigger dick than you. Dudes all hopped up on estrogen. Wife's all hopped up on testosterone. Happy care, happy couple. But there is one thing they agree on. 
sorry. But there's one thing they agree on. Trouble might flare once more after the verdict. Quote, I think if he's found not guilty, we're going to have another riot, D. Steep said. This is a common but not unanimous view around the town. Some are more concerned about possible threats from self-styled militias who view Rittenhouse as a hero. Others are confident that local law enforcement, having learned from the destruction of 2020, will be better prepared to tramp down, to tamp down on violence this time. Quote, I don't have a feeling that anything will get too out of hand, said Donovan Schur, 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 39 years old, owner of the Studio Moonfall Bookstore near downtown. Quote, I think the heat of the moment is over. People are more worried about just staying afloat. We now move on to the section called Political Theater. Rittenhouse has opted for a jury trial, and the pool will be drawn from all of Kenosha County. Though the city, which accounts for more than half of the country's... Sorry, what? Though the city, which accounts for more than half of the county's 170,000 residents, tilts Democratic, the rest of the county is considerably more Republican. Donald Trump winning numerous areas last year by a two-to-one margin. Trump just barely won the state. Now, I don't think the politics of the city really matters that much. The riots were are still pretty fresh in a lot of people's minds. And a lot of people on the grounds when there was like a, oh, what's it called, Benny on the Block or whatever, you from Daily Wire, you know, they're interviewing people. And, you know, we get a fair few people on the left who were like, yeah, he deserves to go down. But people are like, no, nah, I'm a Bond supporter, but, you know, I think that young man's a hero. It, it was widespread. And I get there's a lot of people on the right who also don't want to call Kyle Rittenhouse a hero. I think he was. He stepped up to protect a community that needed protecting. And if he didn't, they would have pushed a dumpster on fire into a gas station and blown up all the pumps. That's how this all started with the three men. Is Kyle Rittenhouse trying to stop them from pushing a fucking dumpster fire into a gas station. Can you imagine what the fucking damage of a dumpster fire into a gas station would be? Can you imagine like the half block of a city that just got leveled? But county leaders of both parties said despite the politics surrounding the trial at a national level where Rittenhouse has been... Sorry. Uh, Hold on. Where Kyle Rittenhouse has been alternatively, alternatively portrayed as a Second Amendment champion or a symbol of white supremacy. The case has yet to become much of a political issue locally. Every, th- every act on this earth is a political one. Hever Novity, 42 years old, who did volunteer work for the Democratic candidates in Kenosha, didn't, didn't, ah, Kenosha County during last year's election, said the up-and-coming trial feels less intense than it otherwise might without a divisive presidential campaign radiating in the background. Quote, I had a feeling of being a pawn in a bigger game someone else was playing last year, she said. Quote, it felt like the situation in Kenosha was being used for a political theater. Oh, it definitely was. Others, though, remain weary of how the trial might play out. Ironworker Chris Wade, 52 years old, who was putting up an elaborate Halloween display in his front yard, said he's on edge after seeing six of his friends lose their businesses to arson during last year's riots. Quote, it's a black cloud because no one knows what to expect, he said. Quote, we weren't ready for the unrest last time. It wasn't very happy with my mayor or my governor. I wasn't very happy with my mayor or my governor. The National Guard should have been here day one. Completely, completely on the money with that one. Kenosha Police uh, Spokesman Sergeant Leo uh, Viola, Sergeant Leo Viola, said local law enforcement is ready to deal with any kind. 
of contingencies that might arise during or after the trial, and that there are no plans to bring in the guard. <sighs> Big mistake. Quote, they're unaware that the trial is happening. They're unaware that the trial is happening. And there's potential they could be called. But they aren't going to be in town or set up in any way for the trial, he said. His counterpart at the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department, Sergeant David Wright, said there have been no signs that outside groups are planning to make trouble. Though few armed supporters of Rittenhouse gathered outside the courthouse during the early hearings, he said. They have not been seen in recent months, though. Recent months, though. David Goldenberg, Midwest Regional Director of the Anti-Defamation League, likewise, has seen no indication that extremists plan to show up, but he added that that could change quickly. Quote, a lot of these groups don't play very, don't, plan very far in advance, he said. Quote, it's very demoralizing. Erica Ness, leader of Kenosha, leader of Kenosha, which organized demonstrations against police violence after Blake's shooting, said her group marches and community, her group marches and community events over the past year have been shadowed by armed men she took to be Rittenhouse supporters. Uh, the group has its own security, she said, and so far, no confrontations have taken place. But, but, she said, police haven't been much help. And she worries that if Kyle Rittenhouse beats the case, more gun-toting outsiders will feel emboldened to insert themselves into Kenosha affairs. And I'm sure she's more than happy to think she can do something about it. Quote, it's very demoralizing, and it makes me think our safety is not number one priority, she said. Quote, I don't know what our local government is doing to prevent this threat. I'm very frightened that he won't get convicted, and people will think it's okay to come into this community and shoot people if they perceive property damage. Uh, well, people have the right to defend their property, and if you you know, get pushed to a certain point where your property could be destroyed, uh, you should be able to kill to keep your shit safe. There is nothing wrong with that. It is private property is a guaranteed right. And you gotta remember, Kyle Rittenhouse was only there because BLM and Antifa were there burning down the city and killing people. So he showed up in response to, uh, well, to that. But anyway, moving on. Amir, 26, participated in some demonstrations following Blake's shooting, but stayed home the night Rittenhouse came to town. Sounds like a, sounds like a Western, doesn't it? The night Rittenhouse came to town. He said it's, it's clear the Illinois teen broke the law and deserves the maximum sentence. Cuck. If Rittenhouse is acquitted, uh, Islamy anticipates angry protests from people who feel the judicial system let them down, followed by an overly aggressive response from police. Then again, he added, trouble might also follow a conviction. Quote, I think it's really hard to gauge what the reaction will be, but it's almost guaranteed that something will happen on one end or the other based on how strongly and passionately people feel, he said. Quote, let them do their job. Some Kenoshans who spoke with the, tribute, with the Tribune said they haven't followed the twist of the legal case. Or, as a 36-year-old group home worker named uh, Tawana put it, they opt, to sit, they opt to stay out of the way. Tawana, who preferred not to give her last name, is a black woman from Chicago. What does it matter what her fucking race is? You could easily just give us her goddamn opinion or what she said without adding her race. That just makes me immediately assume this woman is going to think how Rittenhouse should go down in flames because you felt the need to add her race to it. 
I don't understand what her race has to do. She's not going to put her, her last name out there or anything else like that. Why? Who the fuck cares what her race is? They're relevant to the case. Just give us her opinion. I, I'm very suspicious of why you wanted to make sure that you added is a black woman from Chicago. Right. And irrelevant. Anyway, Tawana, who preferred not to give her last name, was a black woman from Chicago, oh boy, who moved to Kenosha several years ago. And despite the focus on social justice following the Blake shooting and subsequent unrest, she said she has seen little, po- seen little positive change. Quote, I'm actually thinking about moving, she said. Quote, we get stereotyped a lot. That's not an improvement at all. Another transplant from Chicago, <laughs> 35-year-old Janice Mosley said while her family has also faced anti-black prejudice, she still views uh, she still views Kenosha as a good place to raise her two young children. Sitting at a sidewalk cafe north of downtown, she said last year's unrest was scary for everyone and expressed hope that a thoughtful trial and calm aftermath will finally allow the spotlight to dwindle. Let them do their job. And let's be done with it, she said. And that is the end of this article. And now we move on to the last two. Keep in mind. What I want you to keep in mind right now is... A lot of people are afraid that no matter how this court case goes, that there will be rioting and violence in the streets of Kenosha again. I would put money on there more than likely being a lot of violence and unrest in Kenosha. It seems highly unlikely that there wouldn't be. But... We're going to get through these next two articles, and I'm going to give you my final thoughts before we wrap up the day's episode. CDC Director, unvaccinated police and government workers to be sent for education and counseling. Yep, that's right, boys. You can get re-educated. Appearing on Fox News Sunday, the CDC Director, Rochelle Walensky, declared that the Biden regime is planning to provide vaccine-hesitant police officers and other government workers with, quote, education and counseling to make them more comfortable about taking the shot. So creepy. Walensky told Chris Wallace that, quote, we have seen that these mandates are getting more and more people vaccinated. What we know from the police workforce is there have been more deaths from the coronavirus over the last year and a half than all other causes of death for the workforce combined. Bullshit. Bullshit. She's just a mouthpiece for this fucking old school America's back to the Bush era Obama time administration. She has her agenda to push from the top down. She's going to push it. She claimed, adding, quote, So we believe it's very important to get these people vaccinated. Why? If your vaccine works, what does it matter if we're not vaccinated? Let the vaccinated kill each other while the vaccinated stay safe. You know, if the vaccine works, it doesn't. Quote, there is a plan, should these people not want to be vaccinated, towards the education and counseling to get people the information they need to need so that they are feeling comfortable in getting vaccinated, Walensky declared. As we have continu- continually noted, Police and firefighters all over the U.S. have formed resisting groups against vaccine mandates, and many officers have made videos of themselves signing off after being forced to resign. Washington State Trooper Robert LeMay, who infamously signed off, oh, sorry, signed off after 22 years on the job by telling Democratic Governor Jay Inslee to kiss my ass, end quote has warned that the Biden administration has, quote, awoke the, awoken the sleeping giant, and that, quote, extreme numbers of police are walking off the job. Former Cincinnati and Detroit Police Chief James Craig told Tucker Carlson last week that, quote, 
This is all by design. It's not an accident. Further declaring that the Democrats forcing good cops out of their jobs is a continuation of the utterly ridiculous defund the police agenda. And that is the end of this article. Now we move on to the very, very last article. But so far where we're at is super anticipated, heatedly debated trial going to court that could easily, easily be just as destructive because of protests and rioting as the the Derek Chauvin-George Floyd trial goes. Meanwhile, a mandate is forcing more and more cops and law enforcement to resign across this country. Now, this article, I have some problems with. I agree with the author's sentiment in most, uh, in, in most of the article, but we disagree on a lot as well. And I'll go through to clarify my point and his points. So, now we go to the final article of today's morning upload from foreignpolicy.com. Unvaccinated police officers could become America's own insurgents. Iraq and Egypt show how hard it is to get rid of militarized security force. By Stephen A. Cook, a columnist at Foreign Policy, and N.A. Enrico Matiz, Senior Fellow of Middle East and African Studies at the Council of Foreign Relations. Now, personally, I think this guy is a little wet behind the ears. Uh, Big, wet, pussy crybaby. But I will point out where I disagree with him and why. But the the general uh, stance here, I think he makes some very good points. So I'm not just going to boo-hoo and shit on him. I'm I'm going to criticize and, and, and point out where I agree and disagree as we go. Into the article. As the U.S. government bodies and business have rolled out vaccine mandates in the last few months, one group has proven stubbornly resistant, the police. CNN recently reported that as many as half of Chicago's 12,000 police officers, so roughly 6,000 and some change, Chicago's 12,000 police officers have refused to submit their vaccine status to the city. In Seattle, nearly 140 officers out of the force of 100, out of, sorry, out of 1,325 have so far refused to be vaccinated. While less than 50% of Virginia state troopers are unvaccinated, in Las Vegas and Atlanta, only a third of the police officers have gotten the shot. In the nation's capital, 42% of the police department officers remain unvaccinated. The reasons why police are so resistant are complicated, but not that different from other unvaccinated Americans, bad information, conspiracy theories, and mistrust of health care and politics, especially, especially the role of police unions that have taken an increasingly right-wing stance. Right. Anything that goes against the narrative is right-wing. Maybe, maybe, we just don't want the government telling us how to take care of ourselves. Right? Maybe maybe you want the government to go back to the way it was meant to be. You're there to monitor outside affairs and keep trade nice and friendly. Not to tell people what they need to do and what they need not do for their fucking safety. But this is all a controlled demolition, right? Like, it's right on the wall. We already know about the fucking Dosha group. We know about their fucking prop. We know about you will own nothing and be happy. This, the Great Reset. We've known about it. The World Economic Forum has talked about it forever. And a lot of what we're seeing goes in line with that. Now, these police officers are saying, hey, we should need to get vaccinated. We'll do our job. Leave us alone. If our doctors say the vaccine is right for us, it's right for us. But the government is taking such a totalitarianistic response that anyone who questions it or goes against it is automatically right-wing. They're the id group. And 
pushing police out, demonizing them in the media. While you're doing the mandates that are forcing more and more cops to quit. While we're headed into a potentially very riot-filled winter and summer. Uh, things are not looking good. Things are not looking good at all, folks. And an increasingly right-wing stance. If you stand for freedom, you're right-wing, apparently. There is no... Uh, I will say, probably the worst thing that's come out of the whole culture war, however you want to call it, the last few years we've been living in with the Trump to the Biden transition, we've seen the American political system commit uh, centricide. The death of the centrist. The species has gone extinct. You are now either on this side or that side of the aisle. Very few people can exist in the middle anymore. And people will be attacked regardless of which side they're on by the opposite side. It's such a polarizing time we live in that now just saying some of our, our vac- the the police chief and the president of the uh, Fraternal Order of Police are all fully vaccinated, but they're being considered far right because they're telling police, hey, don't turn your, don't tell us what if you're vaccinated or not. That's none of our business. I fail to see the, the right wingedness. If anything, you could argue there's a libertarian stance to that, but they're police. Police and libertarian are not one and the same. A few columnists and analysts have suggested that the solution to this problem is to carry the vaccine mandates through and terminate officers who continue to resist them. <laughs> Writing in the Washington Post, columnist Catherine Rappel argued that letting unvaccinated police officers quit over mandates would be good for public health and could contribute to reform because there is an overlap between vaccine or uh, vaccine resistors and bad cops. It's an argument that no doubt resonates with the pandemic-weary vaccinated, who also who also support broader police reforms. A couple things here. When you have cops saying we will not enforce these vaccine mandates or these rule by decree laws against, you know, we're not going to go and ticket places that don't have their full their staff fully vaccinated. We're not going to force our staff to be vaccinated. They don't want to be. When you have these cops that are saying no to the government control and they quit, what are you left with? We saw the blue flu all during lockdown when the government was saying, go ticket mom and pop for opening their business and trying to stay afloat during the lockdown. Go shut them down. They can't. When, when the cops were told, shut down this business, but turned an eye to us, the elite, going to beauty shops, the salons, having parties, barbecues. Lori Lightfoot said, stay home or else you get ticketed. She's going to barbecues with her friends with her mask off. Gretchen Whitmer, having beach parties at her house. Meanwhile, she's telling you, stay home. Don't go outside. Don't have friends over. You want to kill grandma? You don't want to kill grandma, but I'm going to put grandma in a nursing home with a bunch of COVID-positive youths. Yeah, I'm going to flood all these nursing homes with COVID-positive 20-something-year-olds to kill the elderly and never face any repercussions for it. But I'm also going to have a beach party. I'm going to take my boat out. Cuomo. Oh, I got COVID, but I don't really have COVID. I'm going to go outside for a bike ride and all this shit. And then I'm going to pretend that I'm at home with COVID. All this crazy, stupid shit. And these cops all last year were told, I'm supposed to punish mom and dad for having their little restaurant open during lockdown. I turn an IDU. No, I quit. And then we saw a bulk of the good cops quit. And now with this, you're going to see that last little, little, little tiny percentage of good cops leave. And you'll be left with the jackboot lapdogs of the authoritarian system. And they will sick their dogs on you. As I said before, the cops you will have left are the cops that will take away your, that will beat you for using your First Amendment in defense of your Second Amendment. And that is what you're going to see. Cops that will beat you for using your First Amendment and then seize your Second Amendments away from you. And remember, the rights you give up now, no matter how small, are rights your children will never know existed in this country. 
and pandemic-weary vaccinated people who support broader police reform. If you're vaccinated, why are you so worried about the people who aren't vaccinated? If your vaccine works, why worry about the people who aren't vaccinated? Why worry? If the vaccines work, what does it matter? Now let's continue. But as but as much as it may feel good, there are reasons to worry that such an approach could backfire in ways Rampell and others may not have imagined. There are two important lessons from the Middle East regarding the current controversy over vaccine mandates and law enforcement. And here's he's about to make a point that I thoroughly agree with. Americans like to believe they are different, and the political pathologies and problems that seem endemic in other parts of the world do not happen in the United States, yet they do happen here. That is a great point. Take a moment right now. Think about other countries and why you're happy to be here and not there. Think of all the things you don't think could ever happen in this country. You don't think there could be a a Hitler-style takeover in this country? You don't think you could have a, a Mussolini takeover in this country? You don't think you could have America rip itself in, in four or five pieces? Throw all that out the window. Because no matter what you think can't happen here, it can happen here. And the longer we fool ourselves into thinking that it can happen here, the more likely it is going to happen here. The last few years have put paid to some, but not all, of those illusions. The abstract level, the problem of police reform in the United States, is not that different from Egypt after the uprising that overthrew former Egyptian president Hassouni Mabak when the country was abuzz with what many hoped would be a positive change. <laughs> there, the powerful Ministry of Interior made it clear that security sector reform was off the table. Neither the generals nor the government under the Muslim Brotherhood wanted to get more involved in doing the dirty work of preventing chaos in the streets themselves, nor were they equipped to do so. Inevitably, there was no police reform, and the Ministry of Interior continued to enjoy significant government resources. This is a similar dynamic to the United States, where politicians both where politicians both believe they need the police to keep the streets safe and also fear them as maintaining order is the source of the police officer's political power. If the police union demands are not satisfied, the rank and file have the ability to place public safety in jeopardy, forcing politicians to placate them to be sure it's not certain what the results of police withdrawing from the streets would be, as they did in waves of strikes a century ago that helped uh, cement police union power, or whether such a move would backfire on them politically, but no politicians wanted to take that chance. The result is no tangible change and ever-increasing budgets devoted to an unaccountable, to unaccountable police officers and the departments that they serve in. The second lesson from the Middle East comes from Iraq. In response to the police union's political shenanigans in her city, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, or Beetlejuice as they like to call her, accused its Fraternal Order of Police President of f- uh, fomenting an insurrection. Her word choice was noteworthy. Yeah, is that going to be the new big buzzword the media likes to throw around? If you question this administration, you're an insurrectionist. If you won't go along with the government telling you what medical procedures you need to get done on yourself, you're an insurrectionist. If you don't wear a mask, you're an insurrectionist. If you chant, let's go, Brandon, you're an insurrectionist. Is that just going to be the big word? Insurrection. Is that is that the word Lori Lightfoot's going to use? Because no way in hell that ugly, gremlin-looking cunt could incite an erection. Moving on. The disturbing and violent predicament for what could happen if large numbers of vaccine-resistant vaccine, res, vaccine resi, resistant police 
are fired was seen in Iraq when the United States dissolved the Iraqi armed forces in May 2003. Ah, good old Bush. In one fell swoop, the order left thousands upon thousands of individuals with military training without the means to support themselves and their families. Then this misguided decision contributed to the bloodshed and instability for years. Federal, state, and local officials should think long and hard before letting go of such a large number of people, trained in violence and encouraged to think of themselves as different from so-called civilians. This is especially so in a country with militarized policing, where right-wing extremist groups specifically seek to recruit law enforcement officers where the state's monopoly over violence is weakening. I don't necessarily know if these groups, at least from what I've observed of these groups, it seems like law enforcement are just drawn to these groups in general. It's not so much that they go out recruiting for them, it's that law officers who would join these kinds of groups seek out these kinds of groups and join them. Furthermore, it is quite interesting to see groups like the Proud Boy, Boogaloo Boys, Patriot Front, so on and so forth, these militia groups, fucking spare me, do seem to get a little bit stronger as time goes on, as more police do join. Oddly enough, the institutions of power, Congress, Senate, the White House, all the branches, and local government, is slowly being taken over by people on the left, weakening the Institute's power while the resistance group grows ever stronger with people that were pushed out by the new left-leaning regime that is weak because of its left-leaning ideologies. So the side that they fear they're actively making stronger, while they themselves want to appear stronger but are actually getting a lot weaker. Weird how this is working. Even if just a fraction of the United States vaccine-resistant police officers harbor sympathies for extremist right-wing groups, such as Boogaloo Boys, Three Percenters, Proud Boys, and others, dismissing them as potentially further radicalizing and destabilizing, it is a bad idea to want people to be immured, immured in, political, in a political environment where right-wing nationalist and supremacist narratives have become more prominent. There is nothing wrong with nationalists. Nationalism? Nothing wrong with it. It is literally the belief that your country is superior to other countries. Has nothing to do with race. There's nothing wrong with that. And white supremacy? You're right. Any supremacist, black supremacists are bad. White supremacists are bad. Asian supremacists, I don't care what kind of... Uh, if... You are a supremacist of any specific being, creature, race, or creed. You're just kind of silly, in my opinion. It's fun to crack jokes, of course, but at the same time, it makes no goddamn sense. Now, there is nothing wrong with nationalism. Wanting to preserve your nation's traditions and uphold your nation's gold and high standards, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that, and we should, on the contrary, actually be encouraging it. Not encouraging white nationalism or black nationalism or black or white supremacy, no. But encouraging the idea of American exceptionalism. That is what we need to be pushing forward more. <laughs> it would be absurd to suggest the U.S., the United States, is just like Egypt or Iraq. For all its challenges, the United States still has functioning political institutions. Do we? And while Americans have become far more attuned to the extent and racism of police brutality, how's the view from that soapbox you're standing on, author? I'm just curious. They're not equal to Iraqi or Egyptian security forces. Nevertheless, Egypt highlights the power of the police grasp on politics. The Iraqi, the Iraq underscores the danger of a fi of firing large numbers of people who know their way around a weapon. It seems foolish for officials to dismiss the potential for violence before taking the drastic step of punishing or of pushing vaccine-resistant police officers out of their jobs. There has to be a better way of dealing with the police mandates. 
mandates may be working overall, but like it or not, police officers are, by dint of their training, a special subset of the workforce. Folks who work in the Tyson's food warehouse or fly planes may grumble about vaccine mandates, but most end up complying. Police officers are different, not just because of the strengths of their unions, but because they actually have the means to seek and redress and revenge through their guns and training. The militarization of the police coming home to roost is in the short run, it seems, the best local officials and police chiefs can do is put a definitive end to the military-style policing that continues to try to persuade and the resist and continue to try to persuade the resistors with accurate information from trusted sources like their own peers. My peers are not the people I'm getting my medical advice from. I'm getting my medical advice from doctors or from doing my own research. My peers can't tell me shit. This may be emotionally unsatisfying for the vaccinated and outraged. Again, if you're vaccinated and your vaccine works, what is the big deal? What are you scared of? What are you enraged about? If your vaccine is really this end-all, be-all, don't worry about us unvaccinated, dirty fucking animals. We'll just die off. Or maybe we'll get a bunch of breakthrough cases. Who knows? But this is better than producing potential new recruits for those hoping to foment civil conflict. The United States is not like the Middle Eastern countries. But it is also no stranger to political violence. Officials should do everything they can to avoid it, even if it means keeping unvaccinated police on the force. Again, this is from ForeignPolicy.com. An article was written by Stephen A. Cook. So... We have groups talking about how they're going to riot and protest. We have a very controversial trial underway right now. And more and more cops are being pushed out of the workforce as riots and violent demonstrations across this country only ramp up. Despite the temperature ramping, ramping down into the Celsius very quickly. These policies are going to push more and more cops out of these high-crime, high-risk areas where you're going to see more and more people shot, killed, raped, stabbed, and all other horrific things that can happen under the, uh, you know, under this regime. I'm not really, I don't really have a good word for it. But we have more and more cops quitting. We already have a severe lack of law enforcement in this country, let alone law enforcement that I'm willing to trust, and you're going to push out the last of the cops that are actually worth the damn as far as I'm concerned. Silver line to these cops, you have states like Florida and Texas, which are offering to pay multiple thousands of dollars extra for cops to leave these anti-police states and go work for them. You've also seen it in Virginia and Dakota, Montana, and other states like that are doing the same thing. But yes, this is all a continuation of defund the police. Every bill the Democrats put forward to have the police removed and fired never went through, could never get approved, could never get voted in. So now they're putting in policies like this that are going to force the police to quit and get the number smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Until eventually they have no more police left. Now I hope Calvert House walks. Either way, you're going to have a riot. I, I I will say, if he's found guilty, I don't think you're going to have a riot from the right. You may still have a riot from the left, because even though Derek Chauvin went down for a first-degree murder in the, in the uh, George Floyd prosecution, well, we still saw rioting. The city still burned, even though they got the verdict they wanted. And the author of that foreign policy article seems to be worried about these police forming, uh, what, militia groups, gangs, and going out there and, what, overthrowing a small city? No, 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 no. The big concern here is these cops just leaving and these cities burning with a bunch of people with children trapped inside. And it's what they voted for. 
If the city doesn't want the cops, by all means, get rid of the cops. Why have them pay tax dollars into a system they don't want? But what happens when the nation is so divided that no one wants to admit that they were wrong? And this nation roots itself shred by shred. I think it's inevitable that we're going to have a second civil war. I pretty confidently can say that we're currently in the civil war. It's just not hot yet. Now, you have all this going on, right? People on the far left and the far right have already been purged off YouTube. Conserv- true conservatives, gone. John Soft might be the last refuse of it. But even then, you know, he might be a uh, controlled, op- uh, controlled opposition at this point. I really don't know. But people on the left and the right have been purged off the internet. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all across the platforms. And when you take... And right now, places like Facebook, the social media sites, these chat rooms, all these places like that, are the modern-day public square. where People go to talk and have communications. And for the most part, it's very safe. You're on one side of the screen in a different location. The person on the other side of the screen in a different location you're talking to. But when you have people in that new town square, but then you take them away from it, you ban them from seeing the town square, these people will go to the old town square, which is, you know, outside into the streets. And you have people from the left and the right. And you started by banning the far right and the far left at the same time. And you've worked your way slowly into the middle. Slowly into the middle. I think Stephen Crowder will be our our, our, carry, our, our canary in the cold mine. Because once this channel gets nuked, that's it. Tim Pool will be next. And they're going to slowly work through the ranks. Lindsay Ellis will be gone. Shuan Head will be purged. And these people who feel passionately from different sides of the Blue Isle are going to meet in these streets. But there's going to be no cops to stop them. And the town square, the old town square, will become the first battleground in the new civil war. Then again, that's all speculation. And with that speculation coming to an end, so is this episode of Inside Four Walls. I've been your host, James Madison, and I wish you a great rest of your morning.